teenagers have a capacity for drama that is so far above any normal It's because they don't get physically tired. Like, they're just like, oh, and they cry it off, they wake up the next day, and they're like, well... It's insane. So my co-founder, Richard, is caught on an end train, which means that I'm going to do my absolute very best to do a decent interview all by myself as CEO of this company. Let's see if I still have the basic fundamental skills to talk to another human being without Richard Ziotti sitting immediately to my right. And so we're going to just see how I can do. My name is Paul Ford. I'm the co-founder of Postlight, and I am joined today by Taylor Lorenz. Hi, thank you for having me. Taylor, what is your, uh, you are a writer for the New York Times. Yes. And you focus on influencer culture. Yes. First of all, let's describe what your beat is, because there's no one quite covering this world like you are. So I write about, I would say, internet culture and tech from the user side. I mostly cover anything to do with technology and communication. So like social media platforms, but also like other ways that people are communicating on the internet. Let me describe for the audience. (laughs) No, let's set the baseline here because that's like, oh, internet. But this is more like... Taylor has gone to an event where over 200,000 screaming teenagers are about to like either kill or eat another person. And someone you've never heard of, but is one of the most famous people in the world, shows up and is merely an attractive teen for like a half hour. And these poor dads and moms are like, what is happening? It's all gone crazy. Yeah, I write a lot about influencer culture. I've been in that world, I think, longer than a lot of people in media. So Was it all Instagram? Where did it start? No, YouTube, really. Okay. I mean, obviously, there were like MySpace famous people, but YouTube is... No, let's come on. <laughs> yeah. That was, it, probably, it, <laughs> it felt really famous, actually. It felt weird at the moment, but of course, in retrospect, it's like, yeah, what, they had like 100,000 people. Yeah, like, I know. I was really into Tumblr and made some viral Tumblrs, and I was looking back at you know, how many followers they had. And some of them just had like 5,000 and 10,000. But at the time I was like, these are huge. Garbage. Um, (laughs) Did anyone ever get famous off of Tumblr? Yeah, totally. (laughs) I mean, there were like sort of Tumblr celebs. I mean, Tumblr really peaked, I would say, between... 2009 and 2011, which was also sort of early YouTuber people. So there was fame on the internet, but it wasn't mainstream. It hadn't gone to like bled into mainstream culture yet. And there's sort of no fame, like an attractive person looking right into a camera. Like that seems to be, Uh, yeah. Tumblr doesn't, it's, you know, it's. Tumblr was personality driven. I mean, there were a lot of YouTube creators that were big on Tumblr, like Mm -hmm. Tyler Oakley, Hannah Hart. But I think YouTube is really what pioneered like creator culture. They came up with the term creator, which is sort of synonymous for influencer. Um, but influencers are very multi-platform sort of social media celebrities that are monet- like a little entrepreneurs, I would say, on social media. And I mean, even though YouTubers were definitely famous in like 2011, 2012, Vine and Instagram like made it, you know, all the more normalized. Mm-hmm. Also, there were these celebrities that were kind of embracing social media in a new way that helped sort of spurn this influencer boom, like obviously Kim Kardashian, but also a lot of reality stars, like people on The Bachelor began acting like influencers on the internet. So I would say it's not all for me. 
Instagram. And it's not all from YouTube, but it is this sort of changing way that people use social media. So it's this whole system from kind of like the bottom of TV pushing down and from social media pushing up towards TV. And remember, I have a friend named Dan who used to work at YouTube in sort of like coordinating people. And I walked down the street with him and he's like, you have to understand half the people I work with, I literally can't walk down the street with and you'd never know them. And this was maybe... Five, six years ago. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I started to realize like, oh my God, everyone he talks to has like 180 million fans. Yeah. Why don't they cross over, right? Like they're in this world. They cross over all the time. Okay, okay. (laughs) But like, okay. But they seem to have like a really specific fan base to start, right? Yeah. Okay. And then, so how does a crossover happen? Who's gotten big? Well, Lily Singh is the obvious one. I mean, she's the new late night host, right, on NBC. You know, she's a YouTube star first. I think it's like a a misunderstanding, though, when people say like, why aren't these people famous in Hollywood? Like they are famous in Hollywood. This is the new entertainment system. Like, Especially the young teen stars know that their online following is is what's going to like generate an audience for them. It's what's getting them cast in Netflix shows. Noah Centineo is a good example too of where it goes the other way, where you know this kid gets cast in a bunch of teen rom coms and then now is an Instagram star. So I do think that social media is kind of so ingrained in Hollywood. I think that the divide is bigger with older people. Like, no, you've you've schooled me appropriately. Like, you live literally, <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, I'm out. I'm, increasingly, there are things in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm older and out of touch. No, like, it's not no, that. I, I was extremely online, right? And now, yeah. and now I'm. But there's so much online. Yeah, I mean, I just think that it's all like meshed together. It's not as much of a divide now, where it's like, oh, well, these YouTubers are over here, and maybe they can come somehow cross this big gulf and get to over here, which is real Hollywood. Like, no, it's all kind of like enmeshed. And some YouTubers do go on to become sort of like traditional Hollywood actors, but most don't because Mm -hmm. they don't need to. But they're successful podcast hosts and late, you know, late night hosts. So they, they find their way into the media in all sorts of different ways. Yeah. Well, just like anybody, like everybody, you know, who had a band and now is like a music producer. Right. Yeah. 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 A lot of them go behind the scenes, too. How bleak is it? (laughs) I mean, entertainment is always bleak. Yeah, this is true. Actually, this is we shouldn't blame social media for the fundamental bleakness of the world. No, entertainment companies in general are predatory, sexist, Mm -hmm. racist, giant corporations. And so, you know, I I think we shouldn't be shocked that like there's Harvey Weinstein at Miramax and then there's like. Johnny Littlestein in like some sort of influencer. Kind of like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say, though, actually, influencer culture has democratized a lot of that. And you'll see a lot more inclusivity and kind of like, you know, these people aren't subject to these old white male Hollywood execs as much. That's not to say that there aren't problems with the new system, but I think it's. Oh, they're, st- a they're lot still going like, to get exploited. Yeah, but yeah but exactly. It, it just won't be quite as bleak. <laughs> yeah, way. or they'll be exploited in different ways. <laughs> Where are you on TikTok? Oh, I mean, I just, I've written about TikTok a lot. I mean, it's definitely like the first mainstream social platform to break through since there's a general awareness of influencer culture, Mm -hmm, I guess. mm -hmm. And like, it's the first mainstream social platform to come through when there's, when people recognize the value of generating an audience. So people go on there explicitly being like, I'm just going on here because I want to get big on YouTube. And I know that if I can amass my followers on here, you know, that's a stepping stone. Really? So TikTok is being seen as an engine for success on the other more monetizable platforms? Yeah. People know too. I mean, if you're big enough on TikTok, you can also monetize there. People just recognize, like, I think, you know, when Instagram first came up and all these influencers were first getting big, it was really like 2014, 2015 that a lot of them generated their audience, 2016 even. But I don't think influencer culture really went mainstream until end of 2016, 2017, really 2018. And so... 
at that point, I think a lot of people had already established their audiences. It was a really crowded market. TikTok is like fertile ground for that. So that's why I think you see a lot of teenagers hopping on. I had to get off. It was a little too depressing <laughs> for me. I think as a dad now, because I'm like, my kids are only like five years away from TikTok age. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just looking at them and going like, I don't want you on here talking about your body dysmorphia. Like, I just like, it's too much. Yeah. I find it really addicting and I love it. Oh, it's, I ruined a vacation for me. Because <laughs> like, they're so good. They're so creative. Something about the form just nails it. Yeah, it's really creative. They provide a lot more sort of creative tools to make short form video content than YouTube does. It's much harder to produce a YouTube video than it is to make a TikTok. So. Well, with the TikTok, it feels like the tools are just like right there on the phone. Right? Yeah. So you, you can make a relatively well-edited video with some effects and music without leaving the phone. Yeah. I mean, that's clearly how it has to go forevermore. Right? Yeah, like, totally. That sets the foundation. And I, you know, I'm thinking about our audience. Our audience is probably not going, I'm going to become an influencer. If they are, more power to them. But mostly they're thinking things like, I'm going to be making things on the internet. I'm going to be marketing. I'm going to be doing stuff. Let me ask a really dumb question. Do influencers work? Do they actually like... What? Do they like, work harder than anyone else? No, no, I know they work really hard, but like, <laughs> do they sell the product? Are they effective? Yes, thank um, you. That, thank you for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're incredibly effective. It just depends on the campaign. That's kind of like saying like, is advertising on the internet effective? People ask those questions, right? Like, well, is influencer marketing like... Does it work? And it's like, I, I sort of compare it to online marketing because it's like completely, it's dependent on so many factors, right? Like, well, this is great. This is where I really want to go, which is like, let's talk about the system and yeah. how this works, right? So you have a attractive or compelling young individual, usually they have created a platform through ambition and by studying how other people create their platforms. And they are ambitious. Like I, yeah. you look at them and I'm just like, oh yeah, I see it in your eyes. Like, yeah. You want this, right? <laughs> so now who shows up to take the money? Like, let's say I want to have them hold up a t-shirt and say, buy this t-shirt. Yeah. Do I just reach out to them? Is Are there managers? Sure. Like, how's it totally that all depends. It depends on the person. I mean, they monetize in a zillion different ways. Sometimes brand deals are a part of that. And so one is, I would say, you'd have to determine if that person is even open to brand deals. A lot of influencers increasingly don't do brand deals. But if they are open to sort of the sponsored post model, you, yeah, sometimes you can Wait, reach out. the sponsored post versus what? Well, they monetize in a million other ways. Some of them just have like direct monetization through Patreon or some other kind of. So monthly. that's a big one. Like you like me, give me money. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's much more stable. Uh, you'll see a lot of influencers are moving away from doing kind of one-off sponsored posts. They won't do it because it's volatile. They might not get paid forever. It's annoying. They're usually... There's a lot of ripping them off. Yeah, yeah, they're getting ripped off left and right. So, you know, a lot of more of them are making their own products, too. So they'll say you're a beauty influencer, right? Like, you'll develop your own custom beauty palette and maybe mm. sell that. I got obsessed with the YouTube cake-making world. Yeah. Because my kids... It was a content I could watch with my kids because it's always like... Like we're going to make a bunny out of fondant. Yeah. And so like there's Rosanna Panasino and yeah. like, sorry, they're amazing. Right. And they all have their own spatula and then their camp that you go to, to learn how exactly. to make cakes. So that's filtered. That's sort of same model where, yes, I might have like a spatula brand that I partner with, but they have a lot more say in it. Well, yeah, they, and also it's their own products. So they're getting more of that revenue. They're not being contracted by an agency that's contracted by another agency that's contracted by a brand and, mm -hmm. you know, getting less of a cut at every level. So you'll see them either work with a larger company to develop a custom line or just soup to nuts kind of develop their own product. A lot of them also have merch, like Logan Paul, for instance, it's the majority of his revenue comes from merch. So people just monetize in a zillion different ways. 
is sometimes it's shout outs, sometimes it's like we just said, a, a sponsored post or a brand deal. But, you know, say you do own this t shirt company and you want an influencer to do a post with your t shirt, you know, sometimes you might just message that influencer directly and do the whole deal over DM. Some of them work without contracts, which is another issue. Oof. And then some, you know, you might be negotiating with, for instance, a manager at United Talent Agency in, in a very sort of traditional way. So it really depends. Are there a lot of parents who are managers? Not I, not more than probably traditional Hollywood. Some parents and family members do get involved. It kind of depends on the person. A lot of parents have no idea how the system works, so they'll start working with a manager or an influencer talent agency. I mean, you can go to Google and you can buy all sorts of automated stuff on YouTube and, you know, buy ads. But... That's not available yet, sort of more broadly. Well, yeah. I mean, I would say the equivalent is going to an influencer marketing platform, of which there are literally thousands. Okay, this is... Okay, so there are influencer marketing platforms, or imps. Yeah. (laughs) So my IMP, what do I do at an IMP? Yeah, and I think it was like 2017, more than one opened per day. It was like over 400 opened that year alone, and now, I mean, there's just thousands of them. No, what are they, like automated systems, or just groups of people in a room, or like... No, they're, um, they're usually sort of like tech platforms, And what they do is sign up, you know, hundreds, sometimes thousands of influencers sign up. They enter their data in, their rates for sponsored posts and their social profiles. They kind of link it all. And then a brand, for instance, like Dove, will usually work with an agency that contracts out an influencer marketing platform. They'll go on, they'll put their budget in, they'll put how many posts they want, they'll upload the creative that they want posted, and then that sort of like RFP will go out to a million creators. And it's not even an RFP. It's just like, it's literally like, a bidding thing where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, we want to do this campaign. We have X amount to spend. We want you to post X post. Do you accept it or not? And those creators will be like, yes or no. If I'm an influencer and Dove just said, hey, we want you to do a couple posts, what do I do now? So it depends on the campaign. Sometimes you would be developing the creative with Dove with more of the turnkey solution, which is what I was saying, with like working with one of these platforms. Usually the creative is set. And so you just have to post something at a specific time or agree to a certain amount of posts that can be like one tweet and one Instagram story shout out and one feed post that is up for 48 hours. It could really be, love in this new lotion. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag sponsored post. Yeah. Like hashtag okay. ad, although a lot of them don't do hashtag yeah. ad, but yeah, like Universal Studios just launched X movie. Check it out. I can't wait to see it this weekend. Talk. What's your research process? Because this is a vast world. There's no, is there like an influencer magazine B2B that comes and tells you about? <laughs> no, I tried to like kind of make that once, but no, I pay attention to a lot of like industry coverage. So like Hollywood Reporter or Variety or like who UTA signs, who's working with WME, you know? So I pay attention to those people. I usually know about them before they get that big, just because people online are paying attention to them mm-hmm. first. Where do they talk? And like all the influencers. Where are they like hanging out and chatting about influencer Uh, life? Anywhere. I mean, some of them text, they hang out, some of them live together, some of them work together. It's kind of like working in entertainment, right? Like you kind of, you get to know people in the business. I mean, it's very LA centric. Mm -hmm. I would say 90% of the people and things that I write about are based in LA or have some kind of LA connection. Are you out there all the time then? Yeah. Yeah. I like refuse to move there, even though I definitely should. Well, you work for the New York Times. This is like a classic compromise. Yeah. I mean, New York Times is out there. I just, I'm a New Yorker. It's okay. You don't have to justify that. You know, the Um, internet is everywhere. Um, (laughs) Well, (laughs) okay. I mean, look, the thing that I'm picking up and I've been reading your stuff for years on this now, but talking to you, oh my God, it's big. Yeah. It's just everywhere and it's big. And, you know, there's the kind of like, well, I never knew that he would have had a hundred million followers. <laughs> Why do kids like that stuff? But it also sounds like 
I mean, what are the niches that people are going into? Because it can't just all be everybody being like, hi, guys. Like, it's no, no, no. Be- I mean, it's everything. I think people have a stereotype of like influencers, which is this young person that is like you said, like, hey, guys, welcome to my channel. Here's my daily vlog. Or a Nazi who likes video games. Right, yeah, right, right. <laughs> or like some, you know, beautiful young Instagram model that people see as very vapid because mm-hmm. they take selfies all the time. Right. Like there's a lot of these kind of stereotypes that come along with the industry. I would say like, of course, some people do play into that, but the majority of creators are very interest based. So Mm -hmm. it's people that, like you said, are are obsessed with cake decorating or cars or some random niche thing within a video game, you know, and it's very hyper specific, which, you know, allows them to kind of like break out a little bit or they have a really unique humor or personality that just catches on. But I mean, there's literally like influencers for every single thing on the planet. Well, with the cake stuff, I remember just watching and just realizing these were very serious business people. Yeah. They were very charming and they were really good on camera and they had good bakery businesses going along, but then they were committed and they were getting, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of followers to make this work. And yeah. you could see like, okay, that's going to be a lot of work, but it could really be meaningful. And, and you, I think, you know, if you hit that lightning, you're just going to double down until, until you start to kind of like lose impact. You can't be an influencer without being an entrepreneur because you're negotiating brand deals, you're marketing yourself, monetizing yourself, productizing things, your, you know, your brand. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very much like these people are, like you said, operating small businesses. Some of them do it more successfully than others. Some it's very much focused on the fame. Some it's focused on the content or making inroads within some certain industry. I think a lot of them are hyper aware of how fickle the internet is and how Mm -hmm. these platforms can kind of like squash them at any point or squash their distribution. Um, yeah, this is, what do they make of Google? What do they, I mean, like, it must be terrifying. <laughs> they all have like love-hate relationships with these platforms. Mm-hmm. Like in one sense, these platforms give them life and fame and a career. But I think that's why you're seeing a lot of people more like moving towards things like Patreon or getting more direct money from their audience and having a more direct relationship with their audience. I just wrote about this new platform called Community that all of them are getting on now, which is like a text-based platform. So Mm -hmm. it gives them a phone number and they can then distribute updates via text to everyone's phone. And that allows them to kind of circumvent these algorithms that are kind of unreliable. So Discord is another one. A lot of them have, a lot of big YouTubers have made Discord communities where they can, again, directly distribute content to their audience and not have to rely on an algorithm. Right, so it's they're always looking for new infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah, that blows my mind. And there is always new infrastructure. Yeah. What would it take to destroy YouTube and atomize it and get everybody to have their own platform? Oh. Do they talk about that? Do they think about it? No, I mean, because having your own platform, you don't, you want a more direct way to distribute your content. It's distribution. But it's, discovery yeah. happens on these platforms. Okay. So it's not like they'd ever u- leave YouTube for their own I mean, the Jeremy Renner app is like a good example of that, right? We now, should tell. We should. We should tell people what that was. So there's this. I mean, a lot of celebrities have made apps, and it never works. Like the Kardashians had apps, you know, that failed. Um, she had the game, though. Wait, the they game. shared the game, which is amazing. That right. Was, that was, that was an unbelievable victory. Yeah. 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 Okay. Which is great. But the Jeremy Renner app was basically an Instagram clone that was only Jeremy Renner. And it was mostly like user content. And mm-hmm. so that just quickly devolved into a total mess. And well, the internet destroyed it really quickly. Yeah. Like the internet, like just capital I, extremely online, came in and just were like, hey, you can make this say, you can make it seem like Jeremy Renner is texting you terrible things. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like the Taylor Swift app, which I also read about a couple 
couple years ago that was overrun by Nazis. And yeah, that was less fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Jeremy Renner run was just like, all right, you're all assholes. It was and, just like yeah. cringy. And I, anyway, I think that it's very hard to start your own platform. You're always going to be reliant on these systems for distribution and discovery. When you go home at the end of the day, you've spent a lot of time with influencers, energized, exhausted. Like this is a world. When I see it, I get, I don't know though. It's certainly actually probably better in terms of money and power and authority than like blogging was. Yeah. Right. These people have real power in culture as opposed to like fake pseudo power. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Is this going to last? Is this sustainable for humans? Or is this just like young people with a craving kind of starting their band going out and like a few of them will hit? This has been building for so long. I mean, I would say over a decade. Right. I think it's definitely like social media and influencer culture has sort of upended all of these traditional systems in a way that is it's not going to revert back. You know, there's no going back. We're not going to suddenly like stop discovering Mm -hmm. things on the internet. Like the internet is, has disrupted all of it. I hate that word, but it, it really has. I do think that we're in a particular time. I mean, I wrote a piece that was like, it was something I was thinking about for a long time, but I wrote a piece called the Instagram aesthetic is over. And it was just about how this like moment of the internet of this like very hyper curated, perfect looking influencer, aspirational type of content was over. I hate declaring things over. No, but, but like, I, here like, I am. I'm at my villa in Italy. Yeah. It's like someone with really nice blonde highlights. Well, it just and, wasn't resonating anymore. And I right. think that really like end of last year or beginning of this year is when that flip started to happen. And you just noticed that those type of influencers weren't performing well. And there's this whole new class of YouTubers and Instagrammers and content creators that are based on quote unquote authenticity that were outperforming all of them. And I think that we're seeing that now. Like I think influencer culture is just kind of ingrained in everything. And it's less about this like like 1% of creators at the top and sort of like just everyone leveraging that like influence. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I also think teenagers are very savvy about attention. We live in this attention economy and I don't think that there's a going back, but I do think that there's a correction against some of the like aspirational type stuff that was associated with it from maybe 2016 to 2018. Can you still enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I would say more. I mean, uh, enjoy it more so because you're not like holding yourself to impossible standards. So it's more like relatable and, and you know, that content I think is better. It's also more inclusive and broader. And so you're liking it more. I mean, I like it more. I love whatever. Like, I love drama. (laughs) (laughs) How much drama is there in these communities? So much drama. There's so much drama. I mean, there's eternal drama on the internet. Yeah, but like attractive teens living together, making videos together. Yeah. I wrote a story about like Instagram teen bullying last year. And these girls were just like... Uh, yeah, just insane levels of drama and then they're best friends and then they're not. And like, I, I, anyway, they're so, mean too. Oh my God, they're so cruel. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because I, my parents moved recently and I, I found this binder. I used to print out all my old AIM chats when I chatted with a boy. Oh boy. And I was rereading these chats and some of them were vicious. And, yep. you know, I guess your your brain isn't fully formed when you're 13. So. It's it's not. And it's always a good reminder that you are terrible. Like, yeah. It's always actually good to go back. Because like, I have all my email going back about 20 25 yeah. years. So that gets me into my late teens. And first of all, you change a lot less than you thought. You have the same stupid ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I have one short story I was going to write. And if you asked me, I'd tell you that it's like, I had that idea about a year ago. It's like 11 years ago. I still haven't done it. Like I found the outline from 11 years ago. But yeah, we're all pretty venal and snippy at that age. And you, there's a real like competition as to who can be the worst. Yeah. yeah. And so like you combine that with essentially a mass medium. It's pretty yeah. intense. The internet definitely exacerbates that mm-hmm. as does fame and money and power. What is this world like overseas? 
I mean, it's different in different ways. Obviously, in Asia, it's 10 times bigger than it is here. Yeah, this is, I mean, I, I sort of feel sometimes that we're just tiny babies. Yeah. Just um, everything that comes out, you're like, okay, that's what we have, but times 10 going four times faster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, in Europe, I would say is probably like the most direct correlation between like American influencer, YouTuber culture and the UK. I mean, there's a lot of like people in the UK that are essentially the same as people in the US and Germany and stuff like that. But yeah, it seems like Asia is just leaps and bounds ahead of us. Who are your favorites? Who are your go-tos? If you actually just want to relax and enjoy. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, I try, but then it'll always be like someone will do a four-hour video explaining a Logan Paul issue, and I'm just <laughs> well, like, I, yeah, I love T channels. I mean, which are basically drama channels. I just like, I'm sorry, I love. <laughs> so wait, them. what are they? They're channels that are just dedicated to like outlining specific dramas, and it's mostly like teenagers or young people. Some of them are even run by people in their 30s, and they kind of like make these really elaborate powerpoints with voiceovers, like depicting every single level of some stupid drama. Where I go to relax is more groups. I'm in a lot of Discord communities and Facebook groups, and I love those. So that's kind of where I go like before I fall asleep. What do they make of you? Uh, most of them don't give a shit about me. No, you're just showing up. Do they care about the times? No. No. So I actually texted one of them like recently. I was like, here's the link to your article you mentioned. And they're like, oh, okay, thanks. And I was like, oh, whatever. You yeah. don't really care. <laughs> when your whole world is YouTube, you just don't really care about mainstream media. I think a lot of them, too, have a very anti-mainstream media stance. I mean, in this case, I kind of agree with people like PewDiePie, where, like... He's the famous video game. Yeah, um, he's a gamer. He's probably the biggest creator on YouTube, over 100 million subs. Like, he, and he's very anti, kind of, the mainstream media. I kind of get it. I mean, these people are constantly being miscovered by mm -hmm. the mainstream media, and, and it's annoying. I get annoyed at it myself. It's happening less and less so, because I think... A lot of media outlets have hired people that get it. Well, once the economic power gets real, everybody starts taking it more seriously. Too. Yeah. Like they want the news to be accurate about them. It's, yeah. It's no longer as exciting to hear about like crazy millennials ruining everything because you're like, I'm going to rely on them for my health care. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, but even now you still see so much rude coverage and it's like. Could a Netflix come in, swoop in and just like absorb all this talent and. No, because the talent is millions of people all over and it's so fluid. Like even if you signed all the top people today, like the top people in six months would be different. So Right. So like Microsoft absorbs Ninja and someone else just comes in on Twitch and yeah. okay. I mean Ninja, there are these standout stars, like Ninja is synonymous with Twitch and I think popularized that platform in a really specific way. I don't mm -hmm. think I think the first generation YouTubers that did that have all already kind of Faded away. And I want to be clear. I just read those words in the newspaper. I, did, <laughs> I have no clue. No, what's no, going no. On. I, yeah. I just think it's really hard. There's not just one person or one group of people. Gotcha. So it's the network, actually. Yeah. I mean, I do think, though, like if creators get angry at a platform and leave en masse, it can cripple the platform. Vine is a good example of that, mm -hmm. where the whole platform was overly reliant on this upper echelon of creators that was generating the majority of engagement on mm -hmm. the app. And mm -hmm. so when they all decided to leave, it did hurt the app. Oh, um, is that really that was that happened? I didn't even know yeah. that that was so. OK, they okay. all got really mad at Vine and, you know, Vine was so mismanaged and kind of a disaster in the end. God, it was good while it lasted. Though. Oh, my God, it was so good, except, you know, I really hate people's all people's nostalgia around it and it's like you guys stopped using it like the no, numbers no. declined I, I'm like you guys are so nostalgic for Vine it like died in front of your face but it never I mean you look at TikTok it's so easy to just keep going oh yeah I mean also Vine never like really innovated on its product I always felt that I would like run out 
And I'd yeah. be like, well, I guess that's it for the teacup pigs, you yeah. know, just like, oh, well, yeah. you'd find something really cute and fun and you'd get into like some weird circle and you'd be like, eh, okay. Yeah. It's funny. I was just watching a video of the Vine interface recently, though, and I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, my God, this looks so basic and stupid. <laughs> like, it's, it's funny how like you couldn't do like anything on it. Mm-hmm. And when you think of something like TikTok today and all the creative tools that it has, like you get why it's just so much more addicting. So. Do you make things? Do you go play and learn or what do you do? Yeah, I make things, but I wouldn't call it. They're I'm not tech products. I don't really know how to like code. So I mm-hmm. can't make apps. I wish I could. You can't. Don't don't let companies like this fool you. <laughs> I have a lot of like dumb ideas, but no, I make my own like creative projects. I like making things on social media, like starting accounts and seeing where they go. Like I started a TikTok aggregator page. Sometimes I start random accounts and post content just to see how it performs. Probes. To yeah. Kind of, yeah. It's kind of just like fun for me or like I have like a home design page that I started and a Twitter account that I start. Like I just kind of start things just to see like just to meet people and see what's up in that world. Uh, if people wanted to get in touch with you, what would yeah. they do? Just message me. I, I don't really check emails, so just DM me. My DMs are open on every platform. I'm at Taylor Lorenz on Twitter and Instagram. So. Well, that's very influencer view. I know. Well, I hate emails, so I refuse to use it. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Taylor Lorenz, thank you for coming on. Thank Trek you for Tantra. having me. Well, that was a hell of a journey. There is a lot going on. Here's what I know. The world of influencers is bigger and vaster and more legit than you might otherwise think. It's really easy to look at all that stuff and be like, oh, teens. But it's teens with billions of dollars of money flowing through their vlogs, vlogs. I don't know. I'm flying solo here. It's not as much fun without Rich. I got to be honest, because... There was no one through the course of that interview to go, no, hold on a minute here. But nonetheless, I tried my hardest. I hope you all enjoyed it. Listen, if you need to get something built, something amazing, something digital that you hold in your hand, something really at the scale or quality of like a TikTok or an Instagram, no, I'm not even kidding. You can call Postlight. That's us. Hello at postlight.com. You can call us through email. I don't know. Anyway, if you need anything done and you need a good long-term product partner to do it for you, It's us, Postlight. Talk to you soon. I'm going to get back to work. I miss Rich when he's not here. Bye.